This episode of Rewind of the Living Dead is brought to you by NightChannels.com, the only place on the internet to get that darker side for your t-shirts and hoodies. These are amazing, unique t-shirts and hoodie designs for occult, music, literature, and films. Of course, they got loads of amazing horror t-shirts. There's this Texas Chainsaw one that you gotta have. They got Alien, but they also got these deep cuts like Begotten. You know Begotten, right? Because you're a hardcore horror fan like I am, or Guinea Pig. It's like that across the entire site for their music, for the anime, for other kind of media categories. Such cool designs that you're not going to find anywhere else. Go on there. There's no way you're not going to get a t-shirt or hoodie. I guarantee you. Tons of color options. The t-shirts have two fabric options. Classic 90s style, which is Gildan, or that great modern combed cotton Bella option. And the best part about all this, these are one-of-a-kind designs, and all of it has really great competitive prices. In fact, if you go there right now and you enter the code RewindAt at checkout, you get 13% off. That's right, 13% off at checkout if you let them know that Rewind of the Living Dead sent you. Uh, so when you're at the next convention or concert and someone asks, where'd you get that shirt? The only answer is at nightchannels.com. And be sure to visit them on Instagram at nightchannels as well. Um, that's N-I-G-H-T channels.com. Uh, and be sure at checkout to enter the code rewind to get your 13% off. Rewind of the Living Dead is a review show, so spoilers are ahead. Writer Will Tracy, who counts shows like Last Week Tonight and Succession among his credits on IMDb, was on his honeymoon in Norway when he started exploring the best options for dinner as a certified foodie. What he discovered was a private dining experience on an island where a boat was required to pick you up and drop you off for a five-hour dinner where the chef and staff prepared an elaborate meal for an exclusive set of clientele. That was all the inspiration Tracy needed to return to New York and seek out his friend Seth Rice to explore transforming this idea into an actual film that dissected the elite world of overpriced gourmet food. During the writing process, Tracy and Rice actually started imagining Ray Fiennes in the lead role as the eccentric chef that sits at the center of their dark horror comedy, but the pair were even more stunned when the actor actually agreed to do the part. The finished product centers around a group of one percenters who pay to have the ultimate eating experience on a private island with a world-class chef but they soon find out that what they're being fed is far more bitter than any dish that's actually being served. Tonight will be madness. Welcome to Hawthorne. Yes, this is insane. You shouldn't be here. Yes, this is real, isn't it? What the heck is going on? Something special. Yes, I love you all. We love you too, We're gonna die tonight. In the latest episode of Rewind of the Living Dead, we're going to clear our palettes and try to figure out the theme for the evening as we review the 2022 film, The Menu. I'm Damon Martin and I'm Patrick Guerra and Patrick this week we are back to talking about a brand new film after a couple weeks of Nightmare on Elm Street reviews on the podcast that we are now talking about a new film just released a matter of days ago called The Menu from director Mark Mylod and uh, the writers I mentioned at the top of the show Will Tracy and Seth Rice um, 
interesting film, fun film, uh, one that has an all-star cast, of course. I mentioned Ray Fiennes, of course, the great Anya Taylor-Joy is also in the film. Um, really enjoyable experience talking about this one. I was excited to get back. We haven't done a new episode in a couple weeks. I felt like I was like, why haven't we done an episode in like a month? It's been two weeks. <laughs> yeah, people don't realize, you know, I, I know people sit at home and go, how on earth do Damon Martin and Patrick Guerra create this incredible show for us every week, each and every <laughs> week? What are the what are the inner machinations of it all? How does it all tell me? Tell me the deeper story. And the truth is, we recorded a bunch of the Die Bar on Elm Street episodes a long time ago, and we took two weeks off after an incredible schedule from October. We took two weeks um uh, dear by the way during those two weeks we worked our asses off at our regular jobs <laughs> and nearly died myself personally nearly died just from exhaustion um but i i i love being here uh and and talking about uh horror shows it's great to be back after uh, after a little two-week break and uh, and to come back to this movie the menu i remember uh seeing the trailer for this and seeing Ray Fiennes, Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt, uh, and a cast of a lot of great people, and thinking to myself, how in the hell did they manage to get all these people for this like movie, like uh, for a director I'd never heard of? When I started doing digging and realizing that the writers are from Secession and from uh, a lot of other, uh, you know, great and popular late night shows, and the director actually direct uh, directed I think sixteen episodes of Succession. And like, Game oh, of Thrones. He's they... done, yeah, he's done and Game, Game of, of Thrones. Thrones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I was like, that's how they got them. And I think once you get Ray Fiennes on board, it's really easy to go, cool. Well, we have Ray Fiennes. Anybody else want to join? Anya Taylor Joy raises her hand. Nicholas Holt raises his hand. John Leguizamo raises his hand. They all want to be part of the the fun. You know what I mean? And uh, and a couple of other people that you'll recognize from like Succession and stuff like that. Um, so I, it's it's a real pleasant surprise because Damon, much like much like a fancy three star Michelin restaurant, this is a bit of a play on a horror film. It's a different take on horror. It's not just like any other horror movie. And we've seen some pretty dramatic swings this year. Uh, movies like Fresh, which had to do with food by just by coincidence. Or Barbarian, which was a very different style, or uh, Speak No Evil, which was almost not a horror film until it was incredibly terrible horror film. Um, the Menu is another, yet another one of these horror films that is not quite what you expect. It's not a traditional horror film, but I like that. I love it. I love being surprised yeah. by films like these. And it's not to say I don't love traditional horror, because I absolutely do. You and I, that's why we do this show. That's why we started this show is because you and I didn't feel like we we knew a podcast that, that talked in depth about horror films and one horror film specifically, as, as opposed to like just doing like a quick little three minute review. We wanted to do a deep dive on horror films. It's something we felt was missing from the podcast. So you and I, you know, a couple of years, three years ago, decided we're going to do a podcast ourselves because we were horror fanatics. And, you know, you were the biggest horror fan I knew. And so I was like, this is perfect. Like, this is a great way to do it. So I love traditional horror films. I want to make that clear. Like, this isn't a knock on that. But I love being surprised yeah. by films like these because this isn't anywhere close to a traditional horror film. I would argue that it teeters on the line between, like, horror and thriller and comedy. Uh, it's also, you know, a, you know, it's a satirical horror film in a lot of ways. The way it, you know, Very. kind of dissects the uber elite and the foodie culture, which is really big. You know, right? Well, it's been big for a while, but really big right now for sure. Um but I love the I I, I love that I love when a film like this can surprise me when I don't totally know what's coming and I don't totally know what to expect. 
you know, Barbarian is a good example of a film that surprised me because I had zero idea what that film was about going into it. Um, the twists and turns in that film threw me for a loop. And it, even though, you know, we can have our criticisms, I love that they just kept it a mystery. Now, the menu is not quite that big of a mystery. Like they, you know, we saw in the trailer, there's the moment where they say, we're going to give you 45 seconds to run. And, you know, the, and the woman says, we're going to die tonight. And the guy goes, yes, we are. <laughs> like, we know there's something nefarious <laughs> yeah. going on there. How it builds to that and what actually leads to that is the mystery and the surprise in this film. And you know me, Damon, uh, and if those listening uh, out there in the world know, uh, I'm the guy who doesn't want to know anything going in. But I knew I, I had seen this trailer and, and I think the trailer tells you a lot about what to expect in the movie. Um, you'd think that for a guy like me who, who hates to know anything going in, that that would ruin the experience. It didn't. Because uh, this movie does surprise you in more ways than one, not just on the whole in the in the horror aspects of it, because I think it actually and we'll probably get to that part later on when in the is it scary category, not just the horror aspects, just the craftsmanship of the film, the way the film is put together, um, the way the film is presented to you. It's almost, you know, it, it is very like it's almost like, I, OK, let me let, let me let me digress for a second here. Uh, but just like you said in the beginning, the, one of the writers of the movie is a bona fide foodie. Well, the other writer is a bona fide, like, who gives a fuck about food? That's so stupid. That's pretty much what Damon Martin and Patrick Guerra like when it comes <laughs> to food, too. I'm I'm Mr. Fancy Pants. I love going to restaurants like this. And Damon's like, can I just get a cheeseburger? Yeah. Like, can you just serve up a hot dog? Like, what? Do we have to do this whole song and dance? You know what I mean? So I, I feel like the, the dynamic is very similar with us when it comes to our attitudes toward food is yours. You're, you're like, just serve me up the good, the good old classics here, pal. And I'm like, no, take me on an adventure. Give me the <laughs> narrative of it all. And so like, I love that what this film does is it, it approaches that, you know, that, that, uh, that culture, that food culture that's out there, because it is ridiculous. And Damon, you know me, okay? You know, covered in tattoos, long hair, scraggly beard, bandana, but I also like to sit in a three-star Michelin restaurant, and I've done it a few times. I've been fortunate, I'll say, to have been able to do it a couple of times in my life. Like, I do like that. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily, like... Uh, what is it? You know, like I don't relate to these characters because I I would not pay twelve hundred and fifty dollars for a meal. I wouldn't do it. Um, these characters do, so I'm not quite those people. But it was funny to see some of like food culture like thrown back in my face, and the way they did it was I, I could appreciate. It. I didn't feel insulted. I was like, no, that's a good that's a good call. Like what you guys are doing right here. You know what I loved about it, um, and this isn't a spoiler because this is, you know, this is just the base of the film and you kind of get the sense of this from the trailer. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy's character, Margot, is kind of the fish out of water. You know, she's not the one who knows. Everyone who goes to this posh dinner is is there for the experience. They are you. They're the guy who's going there for mm -hmm. the super, you know, super elite, you know, chef serving a five-hour dinner with 19 courses and you know, story behind every course and blah, blah, blah. And Margo is the character who's just like, I don't really get all this. Like, it doesn't really like, I don't understand like what is so special about this. And I certainly don't like the food. Isn't like that appealing to her. Like every time I see one of these, like, like a movie that does this so well, honestly, that I love is American psycho. When you watch American mm. Psycho and they talk about like you're going to get the, the the peanut butter squash with, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like all these weird like foods and they act like it's so like, you know, to do it. I'm just like, this is bizarre. Like that. None of that appeals to me. Like none of this, like none of this appeals to me. Now, 
I'm I listen, I'm six foot three and two hundred and sixty-five. I'm a big dude. I like food, clearly. Okay, look at a picture of me. I like food. <laughs> but I, you know, again, I'm the guy who will like give me a Costco pizza. I don't need like I'm not the guy who's gonna need you to serve me like a 19 course meal over five hours. So in a lot of ways, this this film spoke to me on a deeper level because I I weird like I do actually I appreciate the foodie culture like I do because I, I I do appreciate like a really good meal I do I've eaten at really high class restaurants in Vegas um, a lot of times I used to spend a week in Vegas I used to spend basically twelve weeks a year in Vegas at my job I would go to Vegas and I would spend a week of every month in Vegas so I used to go twelve to thirteen times a year I'd go to Vegas. And I would go to a lot of the upper, nicer restaurants, usually on like business dinners. Um, so like I wasn't paying necessarily, but like we were going to like high class steakhouses and high class, you know, Italian restaurants. Now, in that setting, like a steak is my favorite meal of all time. Like give me a steak and a potato. Yeah. Old school, you know, steak, baked potato, you know, I'm all for that. And there's high end places out there that I've eaten at where it's like, holy crap. Now when the bill comes and I see how much we're paying for it, I'm like, whoa, this is like, give me, you know, maybe I should just go back to Outback. Um, so, but, <laughs> Outback. I, but I appreciate the foodie culture, I guess, when I appreciate it. But to me, there's a thin line between like being a foodie and like enjoying like, you know, like the the the, the Guy Fieri, like the you know, diners, dive-ins and drives, like kind of like, you know, appreciating food. I love that stuff too, yeah. And then there's the other side where it's like these people are like, mar like they're literally sound like they're orgasming over like these weird, <laughs> like seaweed infused, you know, plates with a drop of rice and like a weird, you know, duck confit sauce. And I'm making these words up. I have no idea what I'm talking about here. But like, <laughs> And they're looking at it like, oh, this is this is art and this is amazing. And I'm like, this this looks like shit. Like, I don't understand. So but I love that the film gives you both sides of it because they give you the yeah. serious, like hardcore elite foodie. And then Margot's character being Anya Taylor-Joy, she has no idea what's going on. She's me. Like, she is like, what the what in the what in the world am I dealing with here? Like, this is so bizarre. to me. And I loved that you get all those perspectives in this film. You do. You get them all. Yeah. If if we were comparable, you were definitely like uh, Anya Taylor-Joy's Margot and I would be Nicholas Holt's. Uh, uh, what's his name? Tyler. Uh, Tyler. Yeah. I mean, like Tyler is so excited for this night. He is so oh, looking forward to it. He's done all his research. He knows everything you get. You get this in the trailer. I'm not spoiling anything. He's genuinely like way into this, maybe too into this. And I'm not going to say I planned vacations around uh, a food destination, but I might have. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I like it, it. Excites me. It gets it gets me really excited. Hey, obviously, he takes it one step further uh, to a, a satirical effect, and I think this movie is a great satire, like a really, really solid satire. Um, because there's there's two different ways, and and horror does this all the time. Horror will do either satire or parody of something like sometimes they show you the horror of some particular subset of culture out there um they'll do a parody version of it which is rather i think i think goofy would be the the, the operative word a parody is kind of goofy and silly and it's making fun of and making those people look stupid for the sake of making them look stupid S satire which happens in horror a lot as well it has more to say it has a lot more to say about culture at large about attitudes at large about about any particular subject in this i think it's a lot about classism 
I think this movie dives into classism in a in a in a huge way, and that dynamic. And I, we should we'll get into that deeper in spoilers here in a minute. The dynamic between Ray Fine's character Chef Slovak and Anna Taylor Joy's Margot. This he's this elite. I mean, elite of the elite chefs who can charge twelve hundred fifty dollars a plate, and this chick Margot who like is not dressed nice and is smoking a cigarette before, which ruins your palate and doesn't care about mouth feel or anything like that. Like, she's just like, I just want to eat food. Like, can I get a normal plate of food? Their dynamic like means something for the greater story. So I was really impressed at how well crafted the story was because to, to see uh, Ray Fine's chef and, and Margot kind of collide during this, during this movie, said something deeper it didn't just make fun of stuffy chefs and and you know people who really don't care about food it it brought it brought conversation out it, it, like i i went to go see it with my brother uh who's a, a cinephile himself shout out to schwink check him out on instagram he does his own movie reviews on instagram and it's like it afterwards we had a conversation about it that i you know me i love that that's why we have this podcast because I want to watch a movie and then have a lot to talk about afterwards. And that's what, that's what the menu delivers. It really does. And I also, you know, we are, you know, not to get like too political, I'm not getting political. I'm not really not, but like we do live in a world right now where it does feel like there is a true class system of the haves and the have nots in a lot of ways in this country and, and across the world, but particularly in the United States, where we talk about like the billionaire class, the 1% and then everybody else. Now, I'm not I'm not I'm not going to get into like my thoughts on that. I'm just saying like we do live in a world where that is a harsh reality of the world we live in. There are the haves and the have nots. And there is a stark drop off between, you know, the the Elon Musk's of the world and the Jeff Bezos of the world and then the average worker. And, you know, you think mm-hmm. about those are the guys who are sitting on, you know, 15, you know, 50 million dollar yachts and paying twelve hundred fifty dollars for a dinner like it's a drop in the hat. Like, it's no big deal. And then there's people who struggle to buy their family dinner at McDonald's on a Tuesday night. You know what I mean? Like, there's that. Is and, the then, and then there's also, and they show that in this movie, there's also the kind of person who's trying to, uh, what they used to say, um, keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. Um, there, there, there are people out there who, are, who can't afford a $1,250 meal, but they need to give off the the uh impression that they they, can yeah 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 Yeah. and so this film dives really deep and and again what's great about the satire and what's great about you know because this is in my opinion like i call it a dark horror comedy i think that's a good express i think that's a good description because it's not a straight horror we already said that it is funny there's a lot of really funny moments but it's dark there's some really dark and there's some real powerful social commentary in here but what I'll say is because when you say social commentary, immediately people are like, nope, I'm not going. That's not what this film is. It does it in such an intelligent and smart way that when you get it, you get it. But it's not bludgeoning you over the head with it. They're not, you know, they're not hitting you over the head with a mallet, for lack of a better food term, um, <laughs> trying to get you to understand the, the class system of the haves and the have nots. You'll see it and you'll understand it and you'll feel it throughout this movie. But it's done in such an intelligent way that it's funny. It's a little scary. It's a little disturbing. Um, and it works so well. And that's one of the reasons why, like, social commentary and horror films, in my opinion, works so much well, so much better, because you can deconstruct it in a way that isn't just hitting you in the face constantly 
with what the message you're trying to tell you. I, I know, it, listen, this is a very powerful example of this, but we always bring, and I bring it up all the time. Get Out might be one of the greatest horror films of all time, but it's also one of the greatest social commentaries of all time. But at the same time, it's not a film where you leave and you're like, man, I just, I felt like I sat through an after school special, like where they're trying to tell me or how a lecture, I should, right. a lecture where they're trying to tell me how I should think or what I should think. That movie does it so well that when you walk out of there, you're changed because it had such a powerful message, but it was also just an incredibly fun, creative, terrifying movie. The menu, again, different. I'm not saying comparing it to Get Out. I'm just saying like there is social commentary in this film, but it's not beating you over the head with it to where you feel like you're at a lecture. You're not sitting at a professor trying to you know, teach you things, but it's done so well. And that's what I love about this because they inject it into the film but everything that surrounds it is so well done that you kind of forget there. It's like it's like uh, it's like hiding your medicine in a in a spoonful of uh, sugar. You know, it's like you know a spoonful yeah. of sugar helps with medicine. It's like that. Like they're hiding. It's like when you give your dog medicine, but you hide it in like a piece of turkey. You know what I mean? It's like that. Like they're giving you they're giving you social commentary. They're giving you a, a, a message about the haves and the have-nots about the class system in this country, and and particularly using food. Uh, you know, these these elite foodies as a great way to do it, but none of it feels like it's preachy. None of it feels like it's, you know, they're trying to hit you over the head with it or make you, they're not even really trying to make you come to a decision about how you should feel. Although I have a feeling the majority of people watching this movie are going to come away with a certain feeling because even though you are a foodie, Patrick, and I hope I'm not outing you by saying this, you're not the guy who's paying $1,250 for a meal. You're not that dude. So even you as a foodie probably see the, like the you even probably see the extremism of this film i i do and why you know it is because the characters are drawn so well now this is a great example of, this is another great example of an ensemble cast um and the way they posit it it's great you go to these really high highfalutin uh, restaurants and they have limited table seating for the night for the evening they they might have two servings maybe some places as the elite places have one serving that night so this night, they only have the one serving, they only have limited tables, and at each of those tables is a different set of characters. I love that. And the way, and, and, and whenever, whenever we get a good ensemble horror movie, we almost always, it almost always serves the function to, um, to make a lot of uh, commentary. Uh, uh, to, 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 to say a lot about a lot of different things by making those different groups stand out and have their own little stories and have what, what, what each of those, uh, to, what's going on at each of those tables is unique. It ties into the bigger story, but it gives you a chance to kind of explore a lot of different things. So it's more nuanced. It's not just saying this is how all these people are. It's it, all these people who would pay $1,250 for a meal. They're all this way. It doesn't say that in this movie. It goes, let us show you all the different types of people who get to pay $1,250 for a meal. But, but who are they on the, who are they on a deeper level? And you get into it. You get, you get enough time to explore that on so many different levels and get so many, so much more out of it than just sort of a blanket statement. And you said earlier too, um, it's kind of like giving your, giving your medicine with a spoonful of honey. This movie is, is just deftly funny. It's, it's a funny movie. And I've saw it with a packed house, thankfully tons of laughs. I mean, the, 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 the audience was cracking up the whole time. This, all of the, all of that commentary, all of that, uh, all of that messaging 
went down really easily because it was such a funny, effortlessly funny movie. And I was that was the one thing I was not expecting. That's the one thing the trailer does not show you is how funny this movie is. It, it's it was more a laugh than anything it, to the point where I was like, is this actually going to be a horror like good for our horror podcast? Because I don't know if it's scary enough. And and we'll get into that in a little bit, because I actually do think in the by the end of it, there actually was a great amount of a dread in this movie. But it was funny. And it, and and all that messaging went down with great sort of stinging uh, comedic commentary. And it's no surprise. They're both comedy writers. I mean, people don't really think about it. Succession is a comedy. I mean, it's 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 a dramatic comedy, but it makes you laugh your ass off almost every single episode, no matter how dark and sinister and nasty these people are. You laugh at their at, at their exploits. And that's what that's what you get here in the menu, too. It's so yeah, you're absolutely right. And and it, like I said, it's dark. It's a dark, you know, dark comedy. This isn't Shaun of the Dead when we say comedy, like it's not Zombieland. It's not no. that kind of dark. It's a very dark horror comedy and uh you know it's it's um it's it is great and you're right i loved the the characters are so defined in their own groups yet they're all part of this kind of elite group i like that about this film because they're all there for the same purpose but they're not it's not cookie cutter characters they're not all one kind of elite upper crust one percent person they all fit into different categories also, one thing I really liked, and I didn't realize this even just thinking about it tonight, like one of my favorite films of the past decade um, is Chef with John Favreau. I love that. That's film. a good one. Really fun film. Really enjoy. It's one of those like comfort films. Like I just like to sit back and watch it and enjoy it. And um, and I realized watching it, like I'm not oblivious. I'm not an idiot, but like I, I like I don't I, I like I didn't really fully understand to the extent of how chefs are held in the same regard as musicians and artists a lot of time, because they are mm -hmm. so refined at their craft of what they create and what they make that they are kind of like they're rock stars of their world. You know what I mean? And watching chef, I was like, Oh, that's, that's really cool. Like I used to watch the food network and I'd see, you know, uh, Bobby flay and I'd see some of these like, you know, iron chef, you know, that show, like, and I enjoyed oh, yeah. that. I enjoyed that kind of stuff. So I knew these elite chefs, but I didn't, what I didn't understand until I'm not saying now I'm saying like, you know, probably a decade ago was how these chefs were held in this kind of like super high regard to where they were artists. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, again, I'm the, you know, I'm the Costco pizza guy. I'm not like thinking about like, Oh, it's an art, but, <laughs> but there's an art form to it. And, and seeing that with this film, with, with uh, Ray Fine's character as the lead chef, it's so powerful and so well done to where you see that relationship between the chef and his consumers mm -hmm. because they all are sitting there kind of marveling and almost almost fearful of this guy before the horror stuff. So I'm saying like day moment one, he steps out of the kitchen. They're all kind of like timid and kind of sitting back and like, ooh, it's the chef. And then his staff, it's like a military operation. Like they, he, you know, when he, like we see it in the trailer when he says, uh, you know, when they say, are we ready? Yes, yeah, chef. Like they all do like, it's yeah. almost like a military chant. It, it was so fun to explore that character and see the power, both mm -hmm. like just the, just the sheer power that, that, that this guy has. And again, I don't know a better word for it. He is a rock star of his industry and Ray Fiennes plays it so incredibly well. He is stoic and 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 commanding and doesn't say a lot at the beginning and then starts talking more as the film goes on and he's he's in a lot of i mean i'll be honest like there's moments where he's kind of terrifying like he is kind of terrifying in those mm -hmm. moments where you're like damn like you'd see the power 
it's not that he's intimidating. It's not that he's like this physical presence. It's him. It's the chef. It's this eccentric artist that people, regardless, I remember when I met, I'll never forget, I met Eddie Van Halen years ago, right? And uh, Eddie Van Halen met him, and, I, like, and I'm a big dude. I'm six foot three, so I'm going to be taller and bigger than most people. But I remember meeting Eddie Van Halen. He's just this little dude with long black hair, you know, and they shook my hand super nice. Like, not nothing like he was like, he didn't like hold himself above me. But, like, you kind of forget, like, you think of these guys as, like, these gigantic rocks. They're rock gods, right? Like, it's Eddie freaking right. Van Halen. I met him. He's just a dude. He's, like, a little five foot seven, <laughs> five foot eight dude. Like, he wasn't, like, it wasn't like he was this intimidating giant or, you know, it wasn't like he had bodyguards surrounding him and I had to, like, you know, go through security. Like, he just, you know, shook his hand nice, took a picture with me. Like, nothing. But, like, we build these people up in our heads that they mm-hmm. are these rock star gods. And that's what his, that's what chefs was a chef, uh, Slovak uh, Slovak. And yeah. that's what he is. He's a rock star of his industry. And you even have, you know, the Nicholas Holt character, uh, does what it what essentially is, is boiled down to as a, a screenwriting technique, praise of the killer. Uh, and it's, ha- it happens in almost every horror movie you've ever watched. There's a praise of the killer speech. Uh, the most famous one is probably Quentin Jaws where he talks about why the shark is such a, or Quint or uh, uh, Richard Dreyfuss' character, they both do. They both talk about sharks in a revelatory way. Well, Nicholas Holt is that in this movie. And he, and I love the moment where like Margot is going, um, you know, like, what is it even about food? And Nicholas Holt, like he gives this little speech about um, the chef taking the, uh, the actual elements of the earth and meat and bone and creating nourishment for you in a way that is like transcends just you know sustenance and i was like even in this moment he's he's convincing me about all this pretentious bullshit <laughs> yeah like he's he, he is convincing me in this moment and he's praying what he's doing is essentially praising the killer he's going you need to stand in reverence of chef slovic because of what he can do with food it's something that it's something that you know guitar players and all that stuff they don't they, they just pluck an instrument and makes a note he does something else. He transforms something. He transforms life and changes it into something else. And you're like, man, I never really thought about it that way. Um, so it, it's all in there. Like it, it, like the, 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 those little moments like that, like, like I go, yeah, that, that could, that's the same way someone would talk about Freddy Krueger in just a completely different way. Like he gets into your dreams and he manipulates your dreams and he can kill you in your dreams. That's what Nicholas Holt's uh, Tyler character is saying in this movie. He's like, he can he can change the way you feel about eating a piece of meat that you've known your whole that you've understood your whole life. He can do that completely. You know, I, I dug that. Like it gave it gave you that extra element, that extra something to go. This is special, isn't it? On some weird level, is it twelve hundred fifty dollars special? Probably not. But they get into that. They get into why it's like it's insane that these people are paying this amount of money and what does it mean to the chef himself to, to isolate himself to the top 1% of the 1% and as opposed to being able to feed lots of people. I, I don't know, man. It just at every, every, at every little corner, this movie nourishes you <laughs> with the parlance of this podcast. Uh, it nourishes you with so much insight, so much dread, so much comedy, so much commentary uh, you know, uh, my my cinematic belly was completely full by the end, Damon, and um, quite satisfied. Real quick, before we get to spoilers and categories, it's funny. You mentioned that that little soliloquy, that little monologue that they, that they gave, and you're absolutely right. It made me think, and I was like, wow, that is that is really, 
a way I never thought about it in this particular way. He was talking about how like all the food that the, the chef creates is on this island. Like the, the cows that are used for his meat are there. They're grown there. They live there. They're slaughtered there. Um, you know, the, the vegetables are grown there. Everything he puts in his dishes is on this island. They cultivate it and they bring it. And, you know, your sustenance is, is created by life and all the, I mean, it was a really, it was a really brilliant, like I was like, Oh, but then when it was over, what I love about this film is you kind of walked away saying, wow, I kind of get it. Right. Like I kind of get all this when it was over for me. I was like, what a pretentious ass. I was like, you just, <laughs> you just went like, you just, it was, it was again, I not to go back to American psycho, but it was kind of like American psycho. When, when Patrick Bateman goes to those long soliloquies about the music he's listening to, mm-hmm. and he's talking about Phil Collins, he goes on this like long <laughs> diatribe and you're like, is that really what this is about? Is that really what you're hearing in, you know, in, in, uh, you know, in hip to be square? Like it just, he goes on such a tangent. It's kind of funny. And you're like, okay, I get it, dude. You like the song, but like, you're going a little overboard. How much you like the song. That's kind of what I took away when it was over. I was kind of like, yeah, that's kind of brilliant and kind of beautiful, but also what a pretentious ass, but I love, but I, but here's what I, but my point is I love that there's that different perspective, right? Because they give you both because once again, Nicholas Holt's character is speaking to Patrick in a way of like, wow, this is a really eloquent and, you know, just a beautiful way to describe food. And then I'm Margo where he gets done and she's just like, yeah, this is all bullshit. Um, you know, that's it. But I love that you get all that perspective in this film. Um, I, we got to get into spoilers now. We got to get into yeah. categories because there's so much more I want to talk about with this film that does get into like, you know, the, the actual what happens in the film without giving it away. So if you haven't seen the menu, you can pr- pretty clearly tell Patrick and I love this film. It was incredibly well done. Um, it is a dark. And again, when you go in and sit down, you're going to think, is this really a horror film? It doesn't feel that way for a while. And it doesn't hit you like a, like a traditional horror film. will. you're not going to, it's not terrifier. Okay. It's not that, um, <laughs> but it is, there is dread. There are like really disturbing moments and it is dark. It's very dark. So again, be aware. Like, I'm not saying like a trigger warning, but I'm saying like, there is some really dark moments in this film where you're like, Oh, I did not see that coming. I think we both would say highly recommend though. Oh yeah, Definitely. So with that being said, let's get into spoilers. If you haven't seen the menu, go watch it. If you have seen it, stick around. If you just want to, you know, hear the rest of our spoilers, here we go. Um, so the, the film really took a shift. Like, we, if things were already kind of going dark in this film pretty you know, pretty early on. People were kind of like, what's, this is really odd. Like, the, when he served the one plate where it was just a, a, a big, like, a, almost like a serving board with all the different dipping sauces, but without bread. And in that mm-hmm. moment he was already kind of like deriding the people at the restaurant for being too elite. Like you're, you're, you're too elite. You don't, you know, bread is too below you. You know, you don't get bread because that's, that's, you know, that's, that's below what you're supposed to be served. You upper crust elite people. Um, So you already Mm -hmm. saw kind of like the machinations of what's going on there. But then when it all shifts, when it all really changes is when he brings out his sous chef and his sous chefs get basically his sous chef wants to be, chef slovic he wants to be ray fine's character but he's not that character he's not that good he's a good chef he's a good cook you know he can serve under a master chef but he'll never be he'll never be ray fine's character and in the end of that scene when he gets done basically the the chef basically like, have you accepted that you're never going to be me and the guy's like yes he pulls out a gun and blows his head off. And it's a really like shocking, like, Oh Jesus. And it's a really shift. It's a really dramatic shift in this movie. And I loved it because 
even though things were odd and kind of weird and there was like this off-putting nature to the to the dinner itself having never sat through one of these things before i'm kind of like maybe this is what it's like because i have no idea like i've never <laughs> sat through one of these things but it is kind of weird and off-putting and you know there's a old woman sitting in the corner drinking herself to death i have no idea um but in that moment it all changed the whole film changed oh yeah oh yeah yeah i really like i when i was sitting there watching it especially at that moment when it got incredibly dark intensely dark i go boy you know we used to have movies like this all the time back in the 90s they were they were dark they call them black comedies they were just they were funny but the subject matter was so intense and that's when and that's at this point in the movie where i was like oh we're in a we're in a like a bona fide black comedy here because the guy shoots himself in front of the whole group and now the group knows oh we're not playing around this is we are here for something else now it makes total sense that the group wasn't picking up on the the little signs in the beginning of of the of the uh, of their of their journey for through this evening because they're in there are a lot of entitled assholes that's kind of what they are right they just kind of they're expected to be wined and dined and served and have their asses kissed and all that stuff but this chef has designs on them that's what was exciting and and it, and it really did start it kind of started you're right at the at the uh, at the bread at the no bread uh bread plate yeah that... um, where you're like no good 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 Oh, you know, and and uh, and I think there's a there one of the one of the tables. There's a a very world famous food critic and her her ass kissing editor are are at this table together, and she complains about one of those little dippers, and uh and then the chef sends over a, like a a pot of one of those dippers because it's not properly emulsified, and he gives her the poorly emulsified dipper, like a whole pot of it, and she must drink it. <laughs> and I'm like, if you guys don't know, something's fucked up. Like that's fucked up. Something's wrong. Um, and and uh, I think what there was another one too. The, oh, the ta- it was taco night. It was right? the yeah the the, uh, the tortillas, the tortillas. Yeah, yeah <laughs> the tortillas. And you see a little bit of that in the trailer where they realize on those tortillas are some of their misgivings, are some of their uh, each personalized, uh, burned into these tortillas are things that these people at these tables have done wrong. Their indiscretions are laid bare right there, and the chef wants you to eat them. <laughs> and you're like, and they're still not really picking up on it. <laughs> it takes a guy blowing his brains out for them to go, oh, okay, this is something's not, this is not, this is something's big. And even then, like some of them were resisting going, well, this is theater. I'm sure that I've seen this before. It's this is extreme theater that guy's not really dead. Like, like they're still trying to talk themselves out of the idea that they, that this, that this uh, black widow has trapped them in his web and he is ready to strike. What's funny is about that is right before that, when they hand out the tortillas and he talks about taco night and they bring out these little chickens with a pair of scissors stabbed into them right before that, the, 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 the other sous chef, the woman gives this whole speech and she basically says that the chef tried to hit on her, and wouldn't leave her alone. And then, like when she turned him down, he basically, you basically, you know, turned his back on her for months. Like he would acknowledge her, wouldn't give her, you know, assignments. Like basically, you know, more or less, you know, admitting to sexual harassment in the workplace, kind of thing. And you know, she's like, uh, you know, and I never felt. And then she literally stabs him in the leg, and then wipes his blood. And they're still kind of like, is this real? Like, what's going on? <laughs> they're so oblivious, like thinking this is all part of the theater. That it's hilarious. It's so hilarious to that. And like my favorite, uh, you know, it's just like there's just so many moments of that where you're kind of like, 
are do, like do they, are these people so oblivious to like because margo the, the the kind of the normie of the group the one who's not really supposed to be there she immediately is like what the what is going on here and tyler yeah. her date is so i mean he is so involved in himself and the chef that he's he has lost all sense of recognition of what he's fallen into and everyone else around him is the same like they still can't like when the, there's these three finance bros who are sitting there and they get on their tortillas like all these illegal transactions that they've committed where they've stolen money and ciphered you know this you know funds and you know laundered money whatever it is and they're all kind of like how does he have this and then like the the the, the woman who works from Elsa just kind of like laughs it off and like is there a problem with the meal and they they still don't get how serious of a situation they're in no i don't think really i don't think anyone in this situation really fully took it for what it was until after the sous chef kills himself and the one guy tries to run and they cut his finger off. Then you see the room kind of change, but it takes all of that for these mm. like super elite people to kind of realize like, oh shit, we're in trouble. And it's not like Elsa who plays, uh, who's played by Hong Chow and she does a really great job. I mean, expert casting there. It's not like she wasn't very clearly threatening them. Oh yeah. Like it's just, it's just, she, she's very clearly going like, do not fuck with us like and this things will get serious very quickly she's making it clear but they these guys these te- these 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 uh, investment bros are just so full of themselves yeah they could not imagine someone like doing anything because they, they had their ass kissed all day all, all day long they, they just they just don't imagine and the, and the older couple who's been there 11 times uh you know they assume that they can just walk out yeah you know well that's we're leaving we're get, i'll call it i'll call a helicopter we're going you know and it's like no you're not like you're <laughs> like 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 you guys all you people at all these tables have been so used to stepping on people that you you just don't know when you're about to get stomped yeah. like you just don't even have a clue that you're about to get stomped and i um another bit of thing uh, you were mentioning earlier was uh, tyler and margo what a great uh, crafting of character they had here because we 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 we're the first people that they they uh, they are the first people we meet. Excuse me. Tyler is so very obsessed with this 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 dinner night. He knows everything. He knows the chef's history. Blah blah blah. So when the shit starts hitting the fan and he's sort of waving it off as part of the experience, you buy into it. Because a lot of times in horror movies, there's a character who makes a lot of stupid choices or behaves in a way that seems odd. And it never really tracks uh, barbarians a great example like Tess doesn't really for the choices she makes in that movie, they don't really track for who she should be as a character. But that Tyler doesn't suffer that you understand why he's dismissing those things and it turns out there's actually a reason why he's dismissing those things, but it's cloaked under this idea of well he's just an obsessive foodie. And so when the twist comes, which the twist is he knew all along that this was going to happen that night. And he brought Margo along because his girlfriend dumped him and he decided to just hire a, uh, a woman of the night who is Margo to come along with him and fill her place. Because, because that's the only way, because that, that's the only way he could get invited. Yes. He has to have that guest with him. If he does not have the dinner guest, he does not get to go. So he just hired a woman <laughs> to go with him knowing she would be murdered. Yeah. So while while it seems ridiculous in the run up that he's ignoring all of these massive red flags, it's because he knew already what the end game was. But they crafted his character so well that you that, that and they they hid it under all of his pretensiveness. 
It was great. It was it was so cool. And then and then Margot being the mystery person, the I'm not supposed to be here person, like the way that reveals itself is so interesting. It is. And I love the Tyler character because, as I mentioned, like he is the one who is super obsessive with the chef, but he's the guy who would never get invited here if not for what you know what we already said where he got invited under the under the under the assumption that he would you know that this is basically him having this experience and then dying for it more or less is the best way to say it yeah he um, wants to die for the experience yeah and so but like he's a guy who's kind of like in a way on the outside looking in he could not he's the guy who's sitting outside these restaurants wishing he could be in there eating these $1200 dinners so that's how he gets in but all these other people, but the way they, the way they paint him is so oblivious, but then you see like the kind of obsessive nature of that character and how in a weird way, it's a, it's a commentary on fandom as well. How fandom can go too mm-hmm. far. Like you can, over, like in, in, in the best I mentioned earlier, like the chef is kind of the rock star. The best way I can compare this is like, you've waited your whole life to see a band, you know, the Beatles get back together. Somehow the Beatles get back together. They're going to do one show, one night in LA and, you know, tickets are Taylor Swift. Couldn't even afford tickets to this concert. Like it's just too much tickets sold out, but they offer you and your friends a ticket to go see the reunited Beatles or whatever. Um, but the condition is it's literally their final show, meaning everyone at the concert's going to die. You know what I mean? Like that. I 100% could see a fan doing that. Like they would die for that yeah. experience. And while I don't, I don't fully understand the food culture. Like I'll never completely understand like the weird obsessive nature of like that kind of thing. That's the best comparison. Cause I'm the music guy. I've loved music. I've been around music my whole life. Like that's the thing where I'd be like, well, maybe, I mean, maybe if I could see the band, I know like, if, you know, they resurrect Lane Staley and they're going to do like an all Seattle concert and they're going to resurrect Lane Staley and Chris Cornell and Kurt Cobain. And somehow they're going to do like one final show for all the Seattle bands that grew up on. And like, that's the last thing I get to experience for the rest of my life. Yeah. I might consider it because that's a <laughs> hell of a show. Um, but that's me. Like, that would be the thing that I would consider. But when he says that, when he when he goes on that little soliloquy and he talks, and then you finally realize why he is the way he is, because he's gone here under the assumption, this is it. This is my last night on earth, but I'm going to damn well enjoy it. Um, with this, it's so, it's so well done and hilarious at the same time. Because you're like, really, dude? Like, this is really what you're willing to die for? Because uh, like yeah. the whole the whole film, he's so obsessed with like offending the chef. He's like, I hope he's not mad at me. I hope he's taking photos. <laughs> they're like they're telling you shouldn't take photos of your food. And then when his tortillas come, it's the it's him taking photos <laughs> of the food. It's hilarious. Oh, it's so good. And then and then you have uh, you know uh, Margot, his date. I loved I love this dynamic, and you see a little bit of it in the trailer there, where the chef Slovic knows she doesn't belong, not just because she wasn't on the list he knows she doesn't belong amongst this group of people she's not she's not like these other people and that creates the complication really the complication for this movie isn't all the people trapped on this on this island that are going to die because they don't know how to fight their way out of it they wouldn't have a clue the complication is actually to chef slovic because he's got someone in in that group who does not deserve to die based on his premise his premise is I'm going to kill a bunch of elitists because they don't appreciate what they have and they take and they take and they take. Well, but wait a minute, that one right there, she's not, she, she's going to ruin my dinner by literally being a common person. And, and he confronts her about that. And he's like, you're either with them or you're with us. They it's right there in the trailer. And he makes her decide like, who are you actually with? And, uh, putting that putting that onus on on margot is really oh man it was so good because 
you, I think he gives her like 10 minutes to decide. I can't remember what it was. But during that time, you go, obviously, you're going to say you're with the chef, right? Obviously. But she doesn't, right? She says, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to be a patron tonight. And that was the smartest move for her to make. Yeah. It was great. And also, uh, like, when you talk about, like, the the overarching theme of the of the dinner you know these elite people being taken down a notch or in this case literally killed for for you know their elitist their elitism and the the way that they hold themselves in such regard and they're above everybody it's it's they could have literally titled this film eat the rich and it would have made sense because that's that would have been like the alternate title for this film in a play on words because that's what it is it's like like because all all this chef ever wanted to do was was cook for people. That's what he wanted. But it became such an elite thing for him that he stopped appreciating it because the people who were who were catering, who he catered to. He didn't really like them. He didn't really like that. They were so elite. And they, and didn't, so, they also particularly didn't like him. Yeah, they didn't really because care he realized him. when he was getting into that one percent of one percent, those people, they just expect something from you. Yeah, I'm paying twelve hundred fifty dollars for this meal. Serve me, you know. Like he's he has been reduced back down from the rock star to now just the service worker. Which he he has that discussion with Margot. He goes, I know I know a service industry worker when I see one because I yeah. am one now. I've 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 all the joy has been sucked out of the, my passion for cooking because these people just demand to be served. They don't care about the experience. They don't care about the blood, sweat, and tears that I put into this. They don't care they, about the art. They, they don't care about the art. They don't even care about the taste of the food. Remember, he says, do not, no one here tonight is allowed to eat. Yeah. You must, you, what did he say? You must consume. I can't remember what he said. Yeah, I think he says you must, I think, does he say you must taste or something like that? Like taste must, or something yeah, like that. Like yeah. he's essentially saying, don't just warf down this food, like experience it, try it. And, and of course it fails because these people don't know how to do this anymore. Yeah. And so, so you, you get that sort of, you know, and listen, it's, 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 you know, he's a madman clearly because he just thinks that, oh, I should just kill a bunch of people. That'll, that'll solve this problem. <laughs> it's not going to solve anything. But he's been pushed to that edge. Uh, yeah, man, I look at uh, I thought it was I, th- I think it might be one of the year's best for me in terms of just regular films in general. It really had a parasite vibe. I don't know if you got that or not. Yeah, I did because there's, there's a real classism in that film as well. Um, yeah, classism, really dark humor, really dark, uh, you know, at least third act. The third act for both movies is very dark. Um and it and also it just kind of hit me out of nowhere. Even though I knew going in the premise of men, of the menu, I was not expecting uh, the experience that they took me on. I was not expecting the the five course meal that they served up for me. I was genuinely subverted along the way. Yeah. So with that being said, let's get into our categories. We do want to get into categories, and let's kick things off as we do each and every week here on the show with best performance um as i mentioned at the top of the the show this is an a-list cast i mean this is an incredible cast you get ray fines at the top anya taylor joy nicholas holt john leguizamo which by the way john leguizamo i love john leguizamo i've always been so good his. Uh, he's so funny and and i don't i don't think he gets nearly enough credit for how good he is because i i think i love pretty much everything he's done that i've seen him in uh but it's a mm-hmm. really really good cast so for best performance patrick who you got for the menu my best performance goes to Rafe Fines as Chef Slovic. Um, it's one of those things. It's sort of like Joaquin Phoenix and the Joker. Like he is the bad guy. He's the one you want to root against. 
but he's so nuanced. He's so, like you were saying earlier, he's, he's not a blowhard chef, which is what you expect. And, and it, like, you know, I'm, I pay attention to the foodie world. A lot of them are known like Gordon Ramsay. They're known to be hard asses to scream in your face, to call you an idiot. A lot of chefs are known like that. Gordon Ramsay just happens to be the famous, the most famous one. Uh, Ray Fiennes did not want to play this character that way. He's actually rather controlled and like all the, all the uh, tension and stuff comes from this slavish cultist devotion of his workers, of his, of his chefs and uh, his sous chefs and his cooks and his maitre d' and his hostess of the sommelier. They all have this cultish devotion to him and he's very calm and he's very serious about what he does. That is unnerving. And that was a choice he made as an actor to play this. He could have played this fire and brimstone. He could have yeah. he could have been that other version of the chef, and the and the one that he chose instead was far more terrifying. With ever almost without ever having to raise his voice, about the scariest thing he would do is he would clap loudly, and then his then his whole his whole uh, uh, workforce would stand at attention and say, "Yes, chef." And that like it was sort of like, "Look at the power I can wield." without ever having to raise my voice. Look what I could do without ever raising my fist, without ever intimidating anyone. There's a great scene where he finally confronts Nicholas Holt's character and uh, and makes him make a dish for the for the whole for the whole group, for the for everybody that's sitting there that night. Of course he fails miserably because he's in the presence of one of the greatest chefs in the world. And Ray Fiennes doesn't do anything other than lean over and whisper into his ear something we never get to hear. And Nicholas Holt's face just crushes and he walks off into a, into another room and hangs himself. That's a fucking brilliant move. I mean, that's great writing on top of that. And it's just, and the execution from Ray Fiennes in that moment, I was like, damn, dude, this guy is villainous without ever having to go nuts. You know what it reminded me of, honestly, and I know this is really high praise to compare it to this. It reminded me of uh, Anthony uh, Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs. Yes. You great know, call. Where, you know, Hannibal Lecter was never the crazy, like, out, you know, outbursts and, you know, saying, you know, screaming. He would just like they, the, the guy, the, the, uh, was a, a multiple mix or whatever, multiple MIGs was the character's name. He just heard him whispering to him overnight and MIG swallowed his own tongue and killed himself because that was the power that Hannibal Lecter had to get in your head. He didn't need to scream. He didn't need to go irate. He didn't need to go madman. He just needed to whisper to you and he would get in your mm-hmm. head. That's what this performance reminded me of. Like, he's not the guy who's going to say he's not Gordon Ramsay. He's going to, he just, I mean, that was, that scene with Tyler was probably my, honestly, my favorite scene in the film because he just humiliated him because he's this huge, like he kept talking about this one piece of machinery that the chef had this particular, I can't remember what it was called, this particular piece of machinery that he's like, oh, he made it with this thing. I have one of those at home because he wants to, he wants to, he's, he's trying, it's like saying I own a guitar that Eddie Van Halen owns, and I think I can do right. it. You can't, okay? You can't do that. But that's kind of what he was playing that part. He's like, I own one of these at home. And so the chef finally had enough of him being this, like, you know, this wannabe, for lack of a better word, and he intimidates him into making his own move. You know, it, it's really hilarious. He's trying to make the food, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then, <laughs> like, it fails miserably, as you would expect it would, because you're not Chef Sloak. You're not this world-famous, you know, artisan, and then he whispers something into his ear, and the dude just just calmly walks to the back. And the next time you see him, he's hanging from you know hanging from something. He killed himself. Yeah, that's what I say. It's very Hannibal Lecter. Like that's the best comparison I can make for this character. 
And that's and that's no small endorsement in, in the performance category. Yeah. So for me, best performance, I, again, I wanted to mention John Leguizamo because he was really good. Yeah, I also want great. to mention Hong Chow was great as Elsa, the Matrix. She, she was. Won. She was just. She was terrifying in her own way. How calm yet scary she was. Like she just again never raised her voice. Just like, is there a problem with the meal? And like the way mm-hmm. she says that, you're like, nope, no problem, no, no problem at all. Uh, except you know the, the the investment bros are you know of course they're you know they they're so oblivious they don't see what's going on around them, but ultimately I had to give it to Anya Taylor Joy because she is so yeah. well like placed in this film as the outsider looking in she is the me of this movie she is the one who doesn't understand this culture doesn't understand the fascination certainly doesn't understand the uh, the the fanaticism surrounding this particular culture of foodies and foodism for lack of a better word. Um, she is the fish out of water and she plays it so well. And and it's so funny because when you think of like Anya Taylor joy is an incredibly talented actor. And when you think about like, you know, of course the queen's gambit, which she's amazing in. And, uh, but I think about, she's done a lot of those period pieces where she plays this like really elegant, you know, kind of, you know, like you, you kind of think of her that like, that's a way like, like she's a very elegant, like um, graceful woman. For lack of a yeah, better you word, think she plays like a lot of high society kind yeah. of roles and stuff like that. And the way I she, think of, I think of uh, Thoroughbreds was one where she was sort of a hoity-toity girl. Yeah, this film deconstructs all that. She plays like the you know she plays. I mean, she plays a prostitute. I don't. There's no better way she's, for it. She's, she's a street wise woman. Like yeah. she's she's very yeah. She's and, from, she's from the lower classes, and she plays it so well and also so smart because she's not dumb mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form. She's the one who sees through it at the beginning that this is all very messed up, that this isn't right. Like this isn't theater. She sees it right away and the way she plays it. And then her conversations with Ray Fine's character are so good that like he sees her as like one of them. He knows that she belongs on in the kitchen, not in the seating area with all the other people and the way they have those conversations. So good. So I love John Legu- Leguizamo. I, he's so funny. He's got a he's a great comedic role in this film. Uh, Hong Chow was incredible, very disturbing, very low key, kind of you know perfectly cast. But again, I got to go with Anya Taylor Joy because she is just so she is so good in this movie. And again, she's me, like she's the one I related to in this film. And and also to also want to give also one other shout out. I'm, I'm basically naming the entire cast. I know um, Nicholas Holt, who I I remember first meeting him when he was Beast in X Men in the yeah. X Men films. He's a really good actor, and I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form he's been typecast, but he's always been like a really like kind of like classically like nice guy character, I guess the best way to yeah. say it. He plays such a convincing asshole in this movie. Like he is a real yeah. true prick in this movie. And boy, when it turns on him, I'm like, I literally was sitting in the theater like, screw this guy. Like I really <laughs> hated him. And I was like, way to go, Nicholas Holt, because I did not see that from him in any other film. He really turned it on in this one. Yeah, he had a great villainous moment where he basically tells her to shut up, sit down and eat. And it's like it came out of nowhere. And everybody in the theater was even like, whoa, like, what the fuck? Like, he really turned it on her. And you didn't know why. And you still assumed like, oh, you know, it's his new girlfriend. Why would he treat his new girlfriend that way? He's it's she's not his girlfriend. She was bought and paid for for the night to behave and to die unknowingly. So like it in that moment, it made a lot of sense. Um, but I'm with you on Anya Taylor Joy. Uh, for her to stand toe to toe with a veteran um, like Ray Fiennes and really play the the foil to this villain in the movie, she very much is the foil to this villain because she knows 
his life. She, he, at one point she discovers like a, a room that's I think his private quarters. She sees that he was a, uh, like a, she started, he started as a cheeseburger cook a long time ago. And she sees a picture of a very young chef Slovak. I would say a 19 year old chef Slovak happily serving a cheeseburger to somebody. And that's how she beats him. She goes, chef, I'd like to return the whole meal. Like I don't, I didn't like what I ate tonight. And he's like, blown away because no one's ever done that before right he's the great chef slovak no one's returned his meal and he wants to make it up to her because damn it that's who he is like she she sees that what he really cares about is 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 making sure the customer's happy right and so she goes well my only way out of this is to say i'm not happy with the food and it works and he goes well what can i do and she remembers seeing that little thing and she goes i want a cheeseburger and that scene of Ray Fiennes crafting the perfect cheeseburger day is so not only hilarious, but it's like it makes you really want a cheeseburger. First uh, of all, I went and got a cheeseburger the next day <laughs> because of that scene. After the film was over, we were driving because we went and saw it was, it was like a seven forty five show. And so we got out like nine, something like 10 o'clock. And I was like, I wish there was like a really good burger place open right now because I am craving yeah. a cheeseburger. Like it was so like I was like mouth watering in that movie. Like, oh, give me a cheeseburger. <laughs> uh, none of the other meals, none of the other over over pretentious like elite food, you know, all that kind of like I said, the seaweed, you know, all that kind of stuff. None of that got me. Him making the cheeseburger, I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. I want a cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah no that was a good one uh let's talk about our favorite group and and what we're talking about because one thing we mentioned in this film is that like every table has its own story in a way has its own characters you know you had the food critic and her editor you had the investment bros you had an actor and his assistant you had tyler and margo who were kind of like the un like the odd couple kind of sitting there you had the super upper crusty i've been here 11 times couple sitting there um, so what was your favorite? Cause, and what was also great is even though this film is not super long, it's not like a three hour film or anything crazy like that. Like every table gets their own time. So you learn about these characters to understand why you probably don't like them very much. Um, it's yeah. very, it's very succession. I've mentioned that on the show before. Like I love the show succession, one of my favorite shows, but I've never, I've never seen a, a, a better scripted television show where every single character is horrible. There's not a redeemable <laughs> quality about any character on Succession, yet it is an amazing, amazing show, and I absolutely adore it, even though every person on that show is despicable. In a lot of ways, and it makes sense that one of the writers here, Will Tracy, wrote on Succession, everybody in everybody in this restaurant, with the exception of Margot, is kind of a despicable person. <laughs> Yeah, you don't like anybody, but you but you laugh about them all yes. the time because they're all expertly crafted. And my favorite table, if you will, uh, was the movie star and Felicity, John Leguizamo's character and his assistant. John Leguizamo, you nailed it earlier, dude. He, he's just not bad in, in everything he's in. He's good. And, and he's so charismatic and he plays kind of an aging uh, movie star and he's really hoping that everybody at this at this uh, dinner notices who he is. And the the conversation between him and his assistant Felicity is they're trying to pitch a like a food travel show, sort of an Anthony Bourdain, but with this movie star in it. And he has no fucking clue how to be like a foodie at all. He's just trying to find relevance. So he's going to this dinner in hopes that he'll understand how to how to be the next great Anthony Bourdain TV show host. 
never mind the fact that he's passionless about it, you know, and he's really just, he's out there just searching for relevance and, uh, and seeing the desperation and sort of the, the movie star bullshit that he tries to pull the whole time was just so fucking funny. And his assistant Felicity, who's uh, I'll give a shout out to the actress, um, played by, uh, oops, I just passed her name. Uh, Amy Carrero, you know, she's, she's totally over his bullshit too. She, she, she's having her own movie where the pretension of sitting with this movie star all night is exhausting, you know, and she's been his assistant and helped him with his production company. And she's just so fucking over him. She's been stealing money from him. <laughs> Every table has their own little arc, their, their own character arc, their own story arc, their own little mini movie. And uh, that was one that I really, I got a lot of joy out of. There was, uh, there's a really funny moment towards the end. And I always think of uh, the movie um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. You seen Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Oh yeah. There's a times. great, there's a great moment at the end where Sarah is with uh, Aldous Snow played by um, uh, Russell Brand. Russell Brand. Thank you. And they're finally, they're finally, their relationship is falling apart. They're finally breaking up and she's just had enough. And she goes, uh, I hate your music. And he goes, well, yeah, well, I slept with the, I slept with the maid. <laughs> like, he's just like, they're just saying the things they're not supposed to say to each other in that moment. Cause yeah. they're just over it. And she's like, she's like, I hate your music. He's like, yeah, well, I fucked the maid. <laughs> she's just like, <laughs> and so there's a great moment towards the end with the actor and, and Felicity where he goes, uh, I gave you a terrible recommendation when you asked for me to like, you know, say, and she's like, well, yeah, well, I've been stealing money from you for years. <laughs> I was just like, and he goes, it, I know it, was, I, it reminded me so much of that scene from, from forgetting Sarah Marshall, where they just finally like drop all their pretension and they just say the truth of what they see, think about each other. And it was so funny. He's just like, yeah, well, when you tried to leave me, I wrote you a terrible recommendation and told him like, what a terrible person you are. And she's like, well, I've been stealing money from you for years. It was just really <laughs> funny in that moment. And, and so Hollywood, um, honestly that probably was my favorite table because it was funny to watch john leguizamo feel try to feel relevant like people kind of recognize him he's like oh, oh do you do you want to take a picture do you want to take a photo and they're like uh sure <laughs> nah. uh he, yeah. he, he was, or he was on like some shitty shitty show that, that that uh that that he you know he was kind of embarrassed about and like the investment bros loved that show yeah. but the chef had him there because he was in that show he's like you're being punished for being on that yeah fucking I, had, shitty I had i had one movie. day off and I went and saw yeah. that and it was so bad. That's why you're here. It's not because yeah. like he was actually like this super pretentious like jerk. It was because he saw he took his day off and he had to su suffer through a terrible movie starring this guy, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> that um, was great. Um, honestly, like the one it was the table that I hated the most, but it was also like funny only because I know these dudes and it's the investment bros. They mm -hmm. are so I mean, it was so well casted and so well written and again, makes sense. One of the guys who wrote the screenplay wrote for succession. So he knows that kind of life, you know, that, that, you know, that kind of elite, you know, 1% financial world kind of people, which is, you know, a lot of what succession's about, uh, they're kind of media versus, you know, finance, but, uh, they were so well cast. And so, I mean, they were so oblivious to everything and they were such pretentious asses. Like, when mm. they got the dish without the bread, like they're literally talking down to the server played by Hong Chao. And they're like, just, just give us some bread. Like we just, we just want some bread. And she's like, Oh so, no, sir, you're not getting bread. And he's like, just give me some fucking bread. Like they don't, they don't understand the word. No. And they, they do don't. this. They do this throughout the entire film. And it's again, I hated all of them, but much like mm -hmm. succession, I was just like waiting for them to get theirs. You know what I mean? Like everything they oh, were yeah. doing. And it was just, it was so, and again, 
I'm not a foodie, so I can't like, you know, I'm a, I'm a journalist. So I kind of understood the critic, although that critic was like a severe end of the spectrum of like a really just overly like, you know, overly like, you know, I'm special because I'm a critic kind of person. Um, and I do know those people. Um, they were, that was there. And I, again, like the, the table with Tyler and, and Margo made sense and the actor and the, and his assistant made, but that the investment bros, I've been around those guys. I've, I've been yeah. around those guys and I'm like, Oh, like you must've known investment bros to write this part because that was who they like. They were one second away from, from asking chef slow to invest in their crypto exchange. Like that's how broish <laughs> they were. And, and, and that table headed by uh, Rob Yang, who is a regular on Succession, which it made total sense for him to, to move right over because his character in Succession is, is also sort of just a smug, super smug and, you know, uh, media tycoon and he can give a fuck about anything. So it really, it, that expertly cast movie, a, a table we didn't even talk about was uh, the table with Judith Light. Um, it's the, it's the old couple that, that they've been there a billion times. They're probably, they could probably buy and sell everybody there. I mean, they're, they're probably like immensely, immensely wealthy. I love Judith Light's sort of kind of, uh, how do I say this? <laughs> just, just a really snobby old rich lady, yeah. like is, is what she was, but in, in her very like aloof way, like yeah. all the subtleties, all the subtleties are there in all these different tables. Yeah. And Reed, Reed Bernie, who is, who played her husband was also great because he just like, he was just like this, you know, this, I've, you know, I've made more money in the, you know, in the past. Like he was also the way I knew him was he played a uh, vice president, Donald Blythe in house of cards. And he was such a that's buffoon. Right. He was such a buffoon in that show. And like, but that's kind of in a way, like how he played this, like he was just a rich buffoon. Like he was mm -hmm. oblivious to every, and I mean, everyone in this, in this film is oblivious to like how good they have it. You know what I mean? That's kind of the point. Um, but he was such a, like, just a, just an, like an overpaid buffoon is the best way to describe his character. And they were great too. Like the and Judith light, Judith light looked like she was on so many, uh, pills when she was on this film. And she looked like she did like the only thing she was tasting was the volume she had on the way into the, into the boat. Like <laughs> yeah. she looked, the, the volume has rendered her taste buds useless. Yeah. Like she just looked like she literally looked like she was just like, can you serve me some more pills is what she looked like. Um, <laughs> it was great. It was great. Um, what I want to, I want to take the, the wheel on this one because I think I'm going to change my answer, but I'm going to see what you say first. Okay. The next category we have is favorite course. Now, uh, the chef Slovak serves up a, a delicious, I don't know, five, six course meal that night. Of course, one of the most elite farm to table meals you could possibly uh, sink your teeth into, Damon. I've got to know first, what was your favorite course in the menu? So, so what great thing about the core, the courses is each course pops up on the screen with what it is. And it actually lists yeah. out like the ingredients of what's going into this. And it's really, again, it's, it feels like you're it's in very the chef's of, table. I don't know if you ever watched that show. Yeah, very, yeah, very much like that. Okay. So my favorite course was when he forces Tyler to make a meal for him and Tyler's <laughs> freaking out. He's like, uh, I'll take some, I'll take some uh, locks and some shallots and uh, salt and pepper. And do you have lamb? Do you have lamb? And he's freaking out trying to cook this meal. He probably he's shaking. He puts it down. 
and he's like they make someone eat it and they pop up on the screen and it says Tyler's bullshit. That's yeah, literally Tyler's the name of bullshit. Tyler's the bullshit of it. and it just has like the list of ingredients, some lamb and shit. Is like I think it said that in there and it just said Tyler's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> lamb shallots and salt and pepper and it just said Tyler's bullshit. That's the one that got me. I was cracking up because every other meal had like they were like one was like what was it called the uh, um, he had a, he had a, like a, the, you know, the taco night, but it had a different name to it. Like every meal had this like kind of theme yeah. title to it. You know what I mean? The palette or whatever. And that one was just I like, want to say taco night was called taco night. Uh, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to, cause they actually have, <laughs> I, I, I remember looking, so they had, uh, hold on here. They had the mess was one. That was one of the meals. The mess was, the was mess. where the, where the sous chef blew his brains out. That's yeah. The mess. Yeah. So they had the mess was one and they had like all these different things, but the one uh, men's men's folly was another one. Yep. That was one of the ones like men's folly was the name of one. Of it. But when they put it up on the screen, it said Tyler's bullshit just cracked <laughs> me up because he was just like, he had no idea what he was doing. He's trying to impress this guy and failing miserably. So that was my favorite. My favorite uh, dish, I, I originally had one, but I've changed my mind because as we were talking about it, this one really it hit home. And that was the um, the the bread with no bread plate with no bread. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, it just seems super pretentious in the in the just on the on the on the surface of it all. You go, oh, he's making a bread plate with no bread. Like how what a cool take on <laughs> on a bread plate. But when he explains why they get no bread it's very it's it's chilling first of all and like and then it's it, it again it, it, there's commentary laced inside that and basically what chef slovic explains is bread was originally for the workers bread was something they could just fill up on it was easy to make it was flour and water so that way the poorest of people could have something to eat you are not the poorest of people so tonight you get no bread yeah of course all these people for everyone in the world fucking loves bread it's like the best thing ever made in terms of foods there's the bread is the best thing ever so all these rich people are getting pissed off because they don't get bread with their bread plate but he's like nope that's how it's going to be and there's nicholas holt's character tyler with his little wood dipper going <laughs> mm, this is amazing oh that's incredible uh, and, and, and margo's like are you fucking serious there's no bread yeah it was great yeah she's like he was like you're too good for bread is more or less what he was saying. Like, you know, you're, you're above bread, you know, because bread right. was for the common man. You don't get bread. And it was so yeah, great. You don't deserve it. Yeah. You don't, it was, you don't it was des- interesting commentary. It, it was great. That, yeah. That was brilliant. And we talked about it earlier and that was, but it was so funny. Yeah. They had those little sticks that look like, remember when you used to get fed ice cream cups as a kid and has a little wooden, <laughs> yeah, the little spoon, wooden with spoon. Yeah. That's what it was. They give you a little wooden spoon that looked like a, literally like a chef's palette, like, or like a, uh, an artist palette where you put paint. And it was just these yeah. little cups that had like little bits of this, you know, dipping sauces. And everyone's kind of like confused. There's Nicholas Holt's character just, mm, oh, this is this is amazing. <laughs> what a what a creative way to serve. And Margo's looking at him like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like this, is, he's literally serving his dipping sauces with nothing to dip in it. Uh, this is bizarre. And yeah, it's it was that was great. And I love that scene. You don't get bread. Uh, that was that was great. Um. Let's talk about the funniest moment in this film um, because it's a really funny movie. It is a really darkly yeah. funny movie. And again, dark, very dark. Uh, what was your favorite funny moment in, uh, in, in, uh, in the menu? I feel like we're going to end up talking about a lot of them, but I'll just roll right in for my favorite course, which was the bread plate scene. Just the way everybody freaked out that they were not going to get bread was so funny and everybody's getting really upset. And then just, I think, I think it was Margot who actually said the words, 
are they fucking serious? <laughs> <laughs> and like something about that just hit so hard because I, and everybody in the audience just erupted in laughter when we were watching that scene. Cause I think every single person can relate to that. It's like, you're going to give me a bread plate with no bread. <laughs> and it just, it tears down all the pretentiousness of like, you know, uh, fancy dining uh, on, and it, and it has the commentary and it has the laughs. It sort of, to me, encompassed everything that was great about this movie. No, that was hilarious. And it was so well done. And again, Margot's the, the person who doesn't belong there. She's the me. She has no idea. So when Nicholas Holt's character, Tyler is like, Oh my God, what a creative way to present these dipping sauces. <laughs> and she's like, are you fucking serious? Like where, you know, like this is ridiculous. Like there's these little tiny dipping cups, of weird liquids and you're giving us nothing to eat. She did. She was the one who was like, this is bullshit. Uh, yeah, it was great. Um, so my, I, there's a lot of funny moments. As I mentioned, the scene where the, the, the actor and the, uh, and the, uh, assistant come clean was hilarious. Um, there's a lot of those, but my favorite was one that they actually showed in the trailer, but when it happened in the film, it literally cracked me up and it's towards the end. And, and, and they serve, um, it was, uh, let me just give me sure get the character's name right here. It was uh, Rob Yang's character, Bryce. He's one of the tech bros. And they bring out a birthday cake and they're singing happy birthday <laughs> to him. And he's got blood on his face. He's been tackled and beaten up. Yeah, and they've been all, hammered to shit been, all yeah. night. And they, they come out and they're like, happy birthday to you. <laughs> and he sets it down and he looks at his friends and he goes, you told him it was my birthday. And his friend goes, it was funny about three hours ago. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> that is so me because i'm the guy who would embarrass my friends at a restaurant like i'll leave the table and go tell them, like it's his birthday and they all bring out like the you know they bring out like the entire staff to sing happy birthday and embarrass yeah, the big bazooki the, and, it, it, with a candle in it yeah it embarrasses the shit out of you like i'm the guy who would do that and so it was hilarious when he just looks at deadpan like they're all beaten down and downtrodden and just defeated at this point and he turns to him, blood on his face. He's like, you told him it's my birthday. And he goes, well, it was funny three hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> they were so beat to shit. Like when you actually go, like it's funny in the trailer, but it is so much funnier when you go through the experience with them. Because at that point, they had been hunted down. They'd been, they ran into the woods. And I think uh, 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 his, his, his uh character had been, like tried to escape on a boat and all yeah. this shit. like they they got fucked up i mean a bunch of big dudes ran after them and beat the shit out of them yeah but that just <laughs> that back is gonna sit there with a gold-plated birthday cake that was just the best when he's like it was funny three hours ago because that was i mean that was just <laughs> such like great because that's their the investment bros that's 100 what they would do and it was just hilarious mm -hmm. in that moment like he's like you told him it's my birthday <laughs> he's like, well <laughs> we thought it'd be hilarious but you know not quite what we expected uh, that scene just absolutely, and again, it's in the trailer, but it absolutely, like, when you see it in the film, it plays so differently than it does in the trailer, and it's just hilarious. Yeah. I just love that scene. That was just hilarious to me. People are going to laugh their asses off when they see this movie. It's a really, really funny movie. It is. It's, it's, it reminds me, the film it reminds me of the most this year is Fresh, you know, and I, if you've listened to this podcast anytime since February when that came out, I've just, just raved about Fresh, one of my favorite films of the year, beyond horror, just favorite films. And that yeah, feels very, it's, it's, a, it's dark. Um, it's very like very dark subject matter, but the, and again, just like the performances here, Daisy Edgar Jones and Sebastian Stan, but it's also hilarious. It is weirdly hilarious movie. Same thing here. Mm -hmm. It's darkly like when that sous chef shoots himself, you're like, Oh shit. Like it's real. It got real. 
they drown a guy. They're the the angel investor who invest who thinks he has his thumb over the chef. He controls the chef, and that's who the investment dudes work for. They work for the angel investor. They literally look outside. They're dangling him by a pair of angel wings. And they just literally dump him in the in the in the ocean and drown him in front yeah. of everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're deconstructing every person involved and he literally kills the angel investor. And you're like, what the, you know what I mean? Like it's a very dark film, but also strangely hilarious. Uh, yeah. I found myself laughing constantly and also being horrified. Yeah. So with that being said, Patrick, our final category of the night, which is always the one we close out with, which is, is it scary? So the menu, we already said not traditional horror, it's also comedic. It's also dark. Is it scary? So that's an interesting question. Now, on the surface, the easy answer is no, it's not scary. You are not going to go home and you're not going to be afraid to walk to your car after the movies or anything like that. Um, it's not going to make you jump out of your seat necessarily while you're watching it. It doesn't have those uh, those elements to it. What it does have is a very thick, viscous, molten layer of dread that exists throughout pretty much the entire movie. In fact, I, I would argue that I think it starts right as the guests are checking in for dinner and uh, the hostess goes, uh, you're to, to Margot, you're not on the list. Like we find that out. From that point on, something about the movie does not feel right. Sometimes it's overt, sometimes it's obvious, like we see it as the audience, but some of these highfalutin uh, elitists don't see it. Um, but that can make things actually even more scary when you can see something that the characters in the movie can't see that actually can uh, exacerbate the dread even more. And so in that respect, this is a scary movie because there's a lot of dread in it. So I feel like like dread is is probably your favorite aspect in a lot of ways of horror films. And I mean, that as a compliment, like I feel like if we nicknamed you, you would be Patrick Dredd Garrett Guerra. That would be your name. Yeah. Judge Dredd. <laughs> yeah. Judge Dredd. That would be your name. You love the dread. I like it as well. And I've actually you've you've helped me understand better about the element of dread in horror films, how it really does pay off. I, I always understood it, but you've you verbalized in a way that makes me a bigger fan of the the elemental feeling of dread in these horror films. This is not, much like it's not a traditional horror film, it's not a traditional scary film. What it is and what it does so well is it's uncomfortable and it's very dark and the dread is just foreboding throughout this film. So in that regard, it is scary because it is that way because it's so, I'm uncomfortable, like the uncomfortable moments in this film are so uncomfortable that it's like you are kind of squirming your scene a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like you're kind of like, it's yeah. really like the way that it deconstructs elitism and, and, and all these different elements of eat the rich. We talked about it. It does it. And you feel like you're really uncomfortable in a couple of these moments. And again, it's such dark subject matter. Like when he, when he more or less berates his sous chef into basically admitting he'll never be him. He'll never be a master chef. He'll never be, what he wants to be. His dreams have been dashed. He'll never be that guy. Yeah. And, and he's a just, young guy he's talking about. Yeah. And he literally pulls out a gun and shoots himself. Like, and then we see the power that chef Sloak has over Tyler's character when he humiliates him to cook a meal and he can't cook. And we, they serve Tyler's bullshit. And then he just whispers to him and Tyler just teeters off into a corner, goes off in the room and hangs himself. That's just like when Margot turns the corner and she looks in there and it's just a shadow of a room and you just see Tyler teetering like, uh, 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 like mm -hmm. he's just, it's really like, oh Jesus, like you're kind of like caught off guard 
because you don't know. He whispers to Tyler, and Tyler just kind of like puts his head down and walks to the back, and you don't see him. And then Margo walks back there, and he's hung himself. It's really dark. So in that way, it is. It is scary. It is not your. It is not going to make you jump. It is not a jump scare kind of movie. But it's disturbing and it's uncomfortable. And in that regard, it, it's executed quite brilliantly. And is it weird to say that I can't wait to watch it again? Oh, I'm <laughs> I, saying all that. <laughs> I want to see it immediately. Like, I loved it. It's like, great. As soon as we left the theater, both me and my girlfriend were like, I want to see that again. Like, that was really, really well done. Like, because all the twists and turns, like now that I know they're coming, I think I'd even appreciate it more a second time, to be honest. Right. Yeah. I, I think this is one of those movies where now that I know what's coming, I'm going to appreciate it on a different level. Not all movies work that way. They definitely don't. But this one does. And um, and it's actually loads of fun. Like I came out of there kind of like for for such a dark movie, you kind of come out of there feeling uh, like kind of jazzed up because you're like, damn, I had so much fun just watching that movie. Yeah, and if you get a chance to go see it in one of those dine-in theaters, order a cheeseburger. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Order a cheeseburger because you're going to want one after seeing this movie because I'm not kidding. I was like, oh my God, I want a cheeseburger so bad right now. <laughs> tell, me that that didn't, tell me that didn't look delicious. It was like, oh my God, this is a delicious cheeseburger. It looked so delicious, but it was also shot in the way it was shot like watching a chef's table episode where a guy just makes a straight up like 4th of July cheeseburger. Like it's yeah. not like he's making anything incredibly fancy with these exotic ingredients or anything like that. It's ground beef. It's American cheese, slivered onions and a bun. And it, and it just it makes you go. Damn, I want a cheeseburger. But there's so a bad. moment. There's a moment where he presses down the bun. You see the juices flow. Oh my god! Yeah. It was like that. <laughs> I was like, this is this is like sex on screen. This is this mm -hmm. looks so good. Uh, yeah. I mean, and I'm not kidding. The next day, I went and got a cheeseburger. Like that's how badly I was craving it. After I was like, all right, well, get I'll a cheeseburger get one tomorrow. Yeah, so I had to do it. Uh, menu is out in theaters right now. Highly recommended. Obviously, we've just poured praise over this movie, and if you can't tell, we both loved it. And I imagine. Uh, we're going to be doing our best of episode in a couple weeks because we're going to have our closeouts of 2022. And we're going to have our favorite horror films of the year. This might end up on that list because it was that good. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I can't wait to see it again. And uh, bravo to everyone involved. They did a great job. Um, with that being said, we're going to get out of here. Obviously, we say thank you to everyone that tunes in each and every week to the show. Make sure you check us out on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher. Uh, we're also on uh, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Everywhere you can find your podcast, just search uh, Rewind of the Living Dead and you will find us. Make sure you're following us on all of your favorite social media platforms. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. Just search Rewind of Living Dead or Rewind of the Living Dead. We will pop up everywhere. You can also send us questions, comments, movies you'd like us to review. Hit us up there anytime on any of the social media platforms or feel free to send us an email at rotlivingdead at gmail.com. That's rot livingdead at gmail.com and you can also follow us on our own personal twitter accounts i am at damon martin and you are at director patrick and we appreciate everyone that tunes in each and every week of the show we will be back next week for more rewind of the living dead thanks for tuning in we'll see you then peace chef yes chef <laughs>